In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm glad someone fixed the shade. I was gonna, that was going to bug me for the rest of the... It's fixed now, so you don't have to worry. It hit the... I don't know what you call that. It, that's not a cajon, is it? What do you call that? That is a cajon? It hit the cajon, so then it was tilted. No one else noticed? Oh, you were focusing on God's Word, so that's, <laughs> that's good. All right, so we're in, the, uh, we're in the middle of our series, and we're covering Thursday today. I'm really excited about this because so much stuff happens on Thursday, and I think sometimes we don't always have a grasp on what it would have been like for the disciples. And the biggest thing that happens, of course, on Thursday is the institution of the Lord's Supper. That's the biggest thing, but we're going to kind of cover all the way around it and then get to that, why that's such a big deal. And so I'm going to cover the whole week just so you're up to speed. Has anyone ever been on a vacation where on the vacation it's not all that relaxing? Has anyone been on there's two places that this happens. One is Disney World, and the other, someone just gave me the evil eye. I'm like, you find it relaxing? Anybody with kids does not find it very relaxing to go to Disney World. The kids love it. It's like fantasy world. The rest of us are like, how much does that hamburger cost? The, so most of the time, but that, that's not re- relaxing. Where's the other vacation you can go where it's not super relaxing? Now, most of you are not from Colorado, if you're like me. I grew up in Wisconsin, but we have people from Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan and Illinois, and uh, Wisconsin tells yes, that is not a very relaxing place. That gives me a headache just when you said that right there. Um, So you go to these places. We're from different places, Louisiana and all these other places around the country, Arkansas, and we, you ever go back home? And how many of you find it super relaxing when you go back home? Okay, so Amy and I met in South Dakota. Everything is relaxing in South Dakota. Like, time goes in half speed there. So, but, but, but most of us, when we go back, this is my experience. Amy and I met in high school, so we go back for any kind of holiday, and it's usually a holiday if you're going to try it. It's in the summer, it's a holiday. And since we met in high school, our parents literally live 15 minutes from each other, which means our schedule is, like, we have to get a whiteboard out. And this is true. We have to get a whiteboard out, and I'll do it for you so it's going this way. We have to say, like, here's Monday. Here's where we're going to be. Here's when we're leaving. And we actually put a time down. We tell our parents, this is when we're going to be. Here's where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to sleep. Then we're going to have this Thanksgiving. We have two Thanksgiving dinners. We have two Christmas Eve things, like if we're there during Christmas Eve. And it's, like, so hectic, and the kids probably enjoy it. We get back and we're like, oh, I'm so thankful to be home. And if you picture, and I want you to think in those terms, the the Jewish people, the closest equivalent, I think, as far as timing goes for this particular Holy Week, we think of it as Holy Week. We know what the end result is. But for most people, uh, that's how they think about it. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. The disciples who are starting this week would not have thought about that at all. In their mind, they're thinking, oh, this is a holiday week. And so when you go back home, I'm guessing there's certain places that you go. Are there certain places when you go back home? I know some of you, you posted on Facebook these places. When I go back, I have to go to the, the Magical Wilmer's Chocolate, and I have to go to uh, Simon's Cheese, and we have to go to Mr. Cinder's. There's the same, we have to get pizza from Pizza King, you know, like all these very humbly named Pizza King. And so you go to all these places. Why? Because there's like this feel to it, right? This makes it feel like home. And all we do in Wisconsin is eat. You figure that out. So we go back and we eat and I gain 15 pounds and then I come back here. This is kind of what happens. So now imagine if you had a trip that you did almost annually. And for the the Jewish people, they're going to Jerusalem. This is like the major city. And they would do this almost annually. We have it in scripture that the disciples would have been at Passover in Jerusalem with Jesus at least three times, possibly a fourth. And so just think about this. This is probably their, their... their third time, there's traditions that happen with that. 
And so they would be entering Jerusalem, getting ready for the kind of this holiday week. And they're with Jesus and they're staying at Mary and Martha's house. That's about uh, two, three miles away. So that's like a 30, 40, uh, maybe an hour walk. So they're living out of town. They're walking their way in. And the picture that they would have seen would have been, the, this is a model. This is not the real thing. Um, this is a model, but this is the temple model. It was magnificent. It took over four decades to build this. And this is, remember from previous pictures, about the same size as the outlet mall. So when you're driving south on I-25 and you look to the right and you see the outlet mall, not including Sam's and stuff, but that's how big the temple mount is, is utterly massive. And what we have is they would get to, they would walk from this way. This is from the east side. They would walk this way from down the Mount of Olives kind of, and they'd go down the path and the disciples would have had this journey with Jesus. There's 13 of them walking and they're experiencing this. And if, if it was me in my family, and I go there every year, we go to the same places. Like when we go to Keystone to ski, if we go there more than, we go to the same places. We stop at the same place. A friend of ours who um, used to live, they started this church, the Spurbecks were here. So they were here, and every year they go to um, Breckenridge to ski, and every year they stop at Bojo's Pizza. That's just what they do. They go there, they get Bojo's Pizza, they get the gluten-free version, they take it with them, and they make it. You know, like the same traditions. How many of you are tradition people? Yeah, you experience a few new things, you test them out, but like there's this sense of like, there's this pattern that happens. If it was me, I would go buy my lamb probably from the same lamb vendor. And I would take the kids and I'd go to the same falafel stand and we'd go down like some kind of alley and then we'd get the same trinkets of Holy Week, or not Holy Week, but Passover. We'd probably get all the same stuff. We'd go to the same places. The kids would go like, oh, are we going to go see this person? Yeah, we're going to go to this place. We're going to go to the shop. All these same traditions, the same things again and again and again. These disciples are not like 40-year-old guys. They're younger. These are younger guys. They're like apprentices to Jesus. So I would guess, this is me, that they probably got their lamb from the same lamb vendor. They get all these things. They had to get it on Monday. And so this is what the story is. They, they move into Jerusalem. This is kind of the holiday week. So we um, in America, I think, are forward-looking in general. Most of us right now, if I'd say like, okay, let's think about the week. Most of you are thinking about the week ahead. Most of you are not looking back at the week. So we're going to go ahead, okay? So it is Sunday, and Jesus has, uh, yesterday was uh, the Passover, not Passover, it was um, Shabbat. What's the English word? Sabbath, there we go. So it was Sabbath, so no one is working, and so now they can walk. They're making their way to Jerusalem, and this is what it tells us. Oh, there we go. I didn't think this worked for a second. Uh, so Jesus entered Jerusalem, this is Sunday night, and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So this is, I'm going to just kind of walk through the days, and then we're going to get to Thursday. So he, this is Sunday night. He takes a look at everything. We don't know exactly what he observes, but we do know what happens Monday morning, which is he starts clearing the temple. And so he walks into the temple, and he sees that they're selling stuff, they're selling lambs, they're changing money, and it would have been packed. This is a massive place the size of the outlet mall. And the only place the Gentile, non-Jewish people could worship, it's all a big distraction. Jesus starts overturning the, the, the temple. He starts to, doing all these things. And what's the result? It says the attitude of the Pharisees and the Sadducees starts to change a little bit. Right now, up until this point, Jesus has been kind of annoying. And they're like, yeah, we got that guy. And he's teaching, and they're like, yeah, he's kind of, this is a frustration. But when he overturns during this week, when he overturns the money changing and things like that, the attitude changes, and this is what it tells us. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. The, 
so the disciples don't know this still, right? So just imagine this is like Thanksgiving week, it is Sunday, and then tomorrow happens, and so there's some kind of thing that happens, but the enemies of Jesus are now saying, like, now it's time he dies. This is a big turn. The disciples aren't aware of this. All they're thinking is, hey, we got Passover coming up. This is a big deal. Just like you're thinking Thanksgiving is coming up. We're going to get ready for this. We got to get ready for this. So Monday happens. Not a lot of stuff happens on Monday. And then Tuesday, we have like this throwdown. And Tuesday, they, they go back to Bethany and they make their way all the way back. And I think I have a picture of it. This is Tuesday. You can see 15 different accounts happen on Tuesday. This includes like talking about the widow's might and then all sorts of parables. And at one point, Jesus sits on top of the Mount of Olives and he's looking over from the eastern side. He's looking over the temple and the disciples are amazed and they go, wow, this place is never going to fall. This is, it took four decades to build. The stones, when they say about the temple, were like 30 feet and they weighed 100,000 pounds. Like you're thinking this is not going to get destroyed ever. And Jesus goes, well, I'll tell you what, this is going to get destroyed. And he starts talking about the end of the world, like the world itself that you know is going to get destroyed. So the disciples are like, what is happening? Uh, what are we talking about here? And so this, there's this tension that's sort of rising and rising and rising. And then Wednesday comes. And we don't know a lot that happens on Wednesday. And this is even speculative that this happened on Wednesday versus Tuesday. But Judas goes to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he says this, what will you give me if I give you Jesus? They set a price which puts this whole thing in motion, which is Thursday. And again, do the other disciples have any idea what's going on? So what I want you to think about, and, and most of us, when I, as a kid, even think about it, I think, oh yeah, the disciples are aware that there's tension and Jesus is going to suffer and it's going to, I don't think they're totally aware of this. And all they're thinking is this is like our holiday week. And so imagine you went back home and it is now Wednesday and you're getting ready for Thanksgiving the next day and you're trying to figure out where we're supposed to eat Thanksgiving and all the things that go with it. So it is now Thursday morning. And uh, you can see all the things that happen, but I want to talk a little bit. What would you be worried about if you're one of the disciples and it was Passover starts at 6 p.m. on Thursday? Like, hey, where are we going to eat? Like, how, we got 13 of us in the town we think is 250,000 to a million people. Like, where are we going to pull this off? And so Jesus tells them, first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city and a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Why would they do that? Jesus is one for one right now. So remember Sunday, he said, this is what I want you to do. Go into town, you're going to find the colt, the foal of a donkey, and you go on your way. And they're like, all right, okay. So they go there and there it is. And now, do you think they had any doubts when they're like, going to town, there's going to be a guy with a room and he's going to say everything's good? Like, no doubts whatsoever. They're like, okay, let's go get this done. So again, what are they thinking? It's time to celebrate. This was a huge, huge deal. And for the Jewish people, they would do this every single year for, do you know how long? 1,500 years. So like our Christmas tradition, I've said that before, came from like the early 1900s, I think, or late 1800s. Is like the way that we think of Christmas is only like 100 years old, a little bit more. Uh, the, the Christmas tree and things like that, they can maybe push back to the 1500s, but this has not been going on since 500 AD. So this is something that's been going on and on, and here's what the story was. And you know this, when, and I'll make it very quick. At, at uh, the 10 plagues, when the people went into Egypt, and God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, he had 10 plagues, and the final plague, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a lamb on the 10th day of Nisan, 
and hold on to that lamb. And on the 14th day of Nisan, which was going to be Thursday night, that's happening, that Friday, he said, I want you to kill the lamb, put the blood on the doorframe, and the angel is going to pass over it. And he says, I want you, this is going to be a commemoration. This is going to be a remembrance that you're going to do every single year until the true lamb comes, basically. So they have been doing this since 1,500 years before Jesus. Every single year, the exact same, right? And you think you have traditions. Like, you got a whole nation of people. There's so many cups of wine that they do. They have the unleavened bread. They have the bitter herbs, and they go through the whole ritual, and it's this time together, and they hide the afikomen, and they do all these things, like all these traditions. And so Jesus says, let's go prepare this meal. So why do I bring that up? They get up in this meal, and everyone's ready to, you know, this is finally a time, like family, like Thanksgiving dinner, right? And imagine uh, every one of you eats turkey at Thanksgiving, or turkey-like product. <laughs> How about that? All right, so all of us eat, you know, you eat turkey, there's traditions, and I would guess that you have the same sides, mashed potatoes, anyone? Beans? There's like two times a year you like to eat beans, Thanksgiving Day and then the day after Thanksgiving. Otherwise, I'm probably good if, they don't, if I don't have to eat beans again. And they get, you know, you get the onions on top or whatever. However you do it, you eat these same things and you have pumpkin pie and all these things until one of your kids tells you they don't actually like pumpkin pie. I don't even know how that's possible, but this is what happens. We get Cool Whip, you know, and you put the dollop on, you do everything the exact same, the exact same, the exact same, the exact same. So this is what's happening. They go to prepare the meal. Everything is laid out when they get there. And you can actually look online if you want and see a picture of what the upper room tradition says is the upper room, which is pretty fascinating. You should do it. Just go, not right now, but in about in an hour, you can do that. And so Jesus said to them, imagine there's this, all, everyone's around and everyone's happy. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. You finally sit down, right? Like the, all the preparations are happening and you got, this is the time where we actually got our fine china out at home. Mine's made in Japan. So it's our fine Japan we lay out and then we put out our water glass and we got our wine glasses and everything's laid out. It's all perfect. The, the food is there and everyone's like, are we ready? Are we ready? Everyone sits down and you got this, the disciples are sitting down. And so Jesus sits down and this is one of the opening lines from Luke. We're not following the Luke account, but he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you, right? I can imagine your dad sitting down to your, your mom and saying, you know, I really look forward to Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody is here. My mom said that with us a couple, couple years ago. We had the whole family. This has been a while. We had 16 of us or 19 of us, something like that. We're all like packed on this super long table. And she said, like, finally, I really look forward to having Thanksgiving dinner with you. And this is how Jesus, so imagine the expectations. This is how I think of it. When you have expectations for an event, it's like a balloon, right? And every time you have an expectation, you blow into that balloon. And you, you've experienced this, right? Let's just make it real simple. The first time you went on a date with someone, if you don't like them that much, the balloon is only like this big. But what happens if you really, really like the person, the balloon, the expectations are like through the roof. And so the disciples, uh, you can pretend how big the balloon was. They didn't have balloons then, but it was big. And then Jesus says this, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. I mean, can you imagine? Everyone's like, and then Jesus gets up and he washes their feet. And they're like, what is happening? What is going on here? And this happens that night. So when evening came, Jesus is reclining at the table with the 12. And while they're eating, he said, truly, I tell you, and we talked about this on Ash Wednesday, one of you will betray me. Like, can you imagine? Like, they're all sad and they began to say to one another, um, surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. 
But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who will betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Like, what just happened? Now, and I, I know this happens uh, Thanksgiving or something like that. Maybe someone has a big announcement and that's when they choose to do it. But I mean, there's this whole celebration and everyone is happy. And then someone says, there's something I got to tell you. Mom and I are getting a divorce. It's like, what? Or I've got cancer. Or we're going to lose the house. Or I got fired. Or, I mean, just imagine the weight that would bring to that meal. And everyone's just like, you know, like pushing their potatoes aside and just eating. And uh, you know, what do you even say? Jesus says, I've looked forward to this meal with you, and everyone's excited, and he says, before I suffer. Now he says, one of you is going to betray me. And the way that this dialogue goes is, it's hard to put all the parts in, but in this evening, this one night, Jesus says to Peter, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me three times. He's like, there is no way this is going to happen. Before the rooster crows, in fact, you're going to do this. And you can imagine him like, no way it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And like, just imagine the weight of the room going down and down and down. And the one thing you could hold on to would be at least things are going to be the same. 1,500 years, things just happen the same, right? We eat the same things and we drink the cup at the same time and we break the unleavened bread and we eat the bitter herbs. And like right in the middle of something that has been the same forever, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, this is all how this meal goes, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. I can't imagine they fully understood what was happening. The same things were said, the same way every year, and suddenly Jesus flips this whole meal around and says, this is my body. And while they're still thinking, like, what is happening? Like, you don't change this. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, or the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I can't imagine. As a kid, I always thought, oh, they knew Jesus was going to suffer and betray. They don't know any of the stuff that's going to happen after this meal. All they're doing is sitting at this traditional meal, and suddenly Jesus changes it and says, tell you what, this is my body, this is my blood, take and eat for the forgiveness of sins. And they don't even know what to say. But then Jesus talks. And there's a couple times, there's, uh, John records more than any other places that evening what Jesus talks about. So this is in John. If you have your Bibles along with you, I'm jumping over there. John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't have it on the screen. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And then they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. This is Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, continues on, and then it ends up with this line, uh, peace I leave with you. He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. 
they sing a hymn and they go to the Mount of Olives. When I think about Monday, Thursday, in my mind, I just think it could, because we celebrate the Lord's Supper so common, I mean, in my mind, that was like the whole thing. It was the culmination of like the whole day and everyone, it led up to it. Like it's like the cutting of the turkey and it was to that moment. But this whole day is packed with things going on. And there's all these traditions and all these things happening. And then suddenly Jesus changes this meal and he starts talking about his suffering and he starts talking about his death and he starts talking about betrayal. And you can imagine the expectations of this balloon just being totally empty. Later on, and, and we're not even going to get there today, but later on, Jesus, of course, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's betrayed and he's taken to trial through the whole night. And then in the morning, he's convicted to die. Um, but we don't know that. But what do we know is Jesus gives us this meal for us today. And does it make sense? How many of you like change? How many of you big fans of change? Like you come home and you like it. Some of you are like, hey, I like new things. Uh, you can look at me. Do I wear the same shirt every week? In fact, I saw Micah come in this morning. So where's, where's Micah? He's got, last week he had, I couldn't tell if he had a white shirt on and his beard just made it reddish or if it was a pink shirt that made his, his, his beard really pop. But I mean, Micah had, and today he's got a blue shirt on, and literally this went through my head when he came into my office, or our office, sorry, Micah. He came into our office. I said, I can't believe you can wear a different shirt. Like this went through my head. I'm like, do I say something? And I'm like, no, that's your own idiosyncrasies. Like no, most people change their shirts, right? I wear the same shirt, and I've probably worn the same shirt for three months, right? And I've gone to Time of Grace for the video, and they made us change each day so it looked like we were actually like filming on a different day of the week. I'm like, I only wear one shirt. And so I'm like, all right. So I bring five shirts, and I'd have to like change. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, I don't like this at all. I wear the same pants. I, I change my shoes up, though. You know, so that sometimes they're tan. <laughs> my socks are the same, though. So if you're wondering, like, it's all the same. Everything is the exact same. I like things to be the same. Why, how do you think it would have felt like a traditional meal? I can't imagine if my mom one year for Thanksgiving growing up just said, hey, this year we're going to have prime rib. Actually, that would be an upgrade because turkey's terrible. All right, this year we're going to have, this year we're going to have ham, right? Ham and, ham and turkey battle about which one is drier. That's what they have a fight in the, in the closet. What if they said, you know, this year we're going to have a, a what holiday are we on? Thanksgiving. We're going to have a Thanksgiving ham. How many of you would like that? Are <laughs> you... Just because turkey's terrible? I like that when people are like, hey, turkey is not that, you, we got two people that would like eat a, a Thanksgiving ham. That's good. I have people that when they talk about turkeys, it's always fascinating. They're like, yeah, if you deep fry it and then you baste it 72 times in the oven for three hours, I'm like, anything that takes that much effort to taste good is not that good. Like that, <laughs> or like, it's pretty good if you put sauce on it. Everything's good with sauce on it. Like, that doesn't count. You put cardboard on it, you're like, this is good. So where does this go? <coughs> We don't like change so much, but I think Jesus is coming in and they have this meal that's always the same because it's a meal that looked forward to something. It was, everyone went through the whole tradition to say that God delivered us, but ultimately there's going to be a bigger deliverance and Jesus is saying now that deliverance has come. And now things have to change. And the way that things change is that I had to actually come to this world. You talk about things like not changing. I don't like to change my shirt. And we don't like things to be different. And I like to go shop at the same places because it makes me feel good. Jesus, for eternity, was by God's side. A triune God and perfect unity for eternity. And then the moment came in history where he said, at this point, I have to become a human being. And for what reason? He said, so you can drink this cup with me anew in heaven.
And I, I think about some of these things that are so hard and so changed, and why would you do it? Um, and, and even when the kids were little, and you have diaper changes, I mean, nobody's, I don't even gonna ask, no one likes it. <laughs> Someone just looked at me like, are you really gonna bring a diaper change up? A good husband, when they say like, oh, this is kind of how it works. You've been, uh, sometimes you're like proactive and you're like, okay, I'm going to change the diaper. Sometimes you know the diaper needs to be changed and you just like deny it. You pretend you don't notice it. And you just kind of keep interacting like who's going to notice it, has to fix it. And this is how it goes on. And then suddenly uh, she might say to me, Amy, since she's not here, like, do you want me to change the diaper? And in my mind, what goes through my head? Better you than me, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. Um, this is what's fascinating, I think, about Christ. Someone has to suffer for our sins. Someone has to make things right. And when Jesus looks at us, and I think this is what, like, the takeaway from this whole story, it, when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't look at you and say, better you than me. Instead, he says, better me than you. And he says, I'm willing to take on the sin of the whole world. And so this night progresses, right? He, they sing a hymn, and they go, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says he's sweating like drops of blood and everyone else is sleeping they're totally oblivious to know that the weight of the world is on jesus shoulders and why because he says better me than you because you can't handle what i'm about to do and i want to pay for your sins so that your life can change and i think the second thing that matters is when people leave you uh, and some of you have suffered death recently when people leave you and people are distant I think the hardest part to me is not, like, you can FaceTime and stuff like that, and that's fun, and you can talk, or you can email, or you can text, or something like that, and say someone's on a trip. To me, it's the lack of contact. And I think it's really fascinating that God, when it comes to forgiveness, because we're all dealing with something, the disciples are about to face Jesus running away, I, I mean, and being gone through death. They're about to face denial. They're about to feel the guilt of denying Jesus multiple times. God doesn't just say, hey, things are good. Instead, he says, I want to make contact. And so in this meal that we get to participate in, he says, what do we have? We have my true body and my true blood for what purpose? Forgiveness of sins. Why does that matter? And that's going to be our final thing. If I say to this congregation, I love my church. And I do. I love my church. I don't think each of you thinks individually. Pastor loves me individually. Right? You can say to your kids, I love you. But if you've done something wrong to your parents, you wonder, do they really mean it to me? At that Thanksgiving dinner, my parents could have said, like, we love you guys. And, and some of us would feel like, yes, my parents love me. But some of us, maybe if you've done something, you think, maybe not. Is there any doubt when you come up to the Lord's Supper, when God says, take and eat for the forgiveness of sins, take and drink for the forgiveness of sins, that means you're, anything you've ever done that God is talking to you? I don't think so. And so when God looks you straight in the eye and says, better me than you, I will suffer and die. And if you have any doubts, take and eat for the forgiveness of sins and take and drink for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the middle of a celebration where everything seems like it's going so smoothly, everything is so well, the disciples are excited about the, just having a traditional holiday meal with you. You change things, and you change things because things have to change. In this world, Christianity, that's really what it is. You came to this world to change us, but you also changed us in such a way so that we can change um, not who we are, you've done that already, but who we are to the people around us. Help us to have that kind of energy and help us to have that kind of courage to step into this world. And when we see people in trouble, instead of saying better you than me, we can say better me than you and step up and live the way that you've called us to live. 
We ask this in your name. Forgiven children in your name. Amen.